Do School Better, a podcast for people who want to transform education. Join Doris Corda, Hawkins School's Associate Head and Director of Entrepreneurial Studies, as she shares her experience as an educational reformer told through conversations with Assistant Directors Tim Desmond and Allison Tanker. Ballerinas and Firefighters. In this episode, Tim and Allison discuss the importance of a growth mindset for teachers and students in this radically different kind of learning. They also explain why answering questions with questions promotes critical thinking, problem solving, and student ownership of the learning. I'm curious what you do when, for example, a team is struggling in the midst of their problem solving and they ask you a question that might be specific to an industry or some kind of content that maybe you don't have a lot of background in. How do you approach that? Well, that happens a lot, <laughs> first of all. Uh, most of the problems that these students are working on are so sophisticated and so complex that even the CEO hasn't, doesn't know what to do with them yet. Right. So there's a, that's, that's a big part of this. Is the, the very nature of the problem is such that no one really has an answer, and everyone can come up with a, an educated guess as to what the solution might be, but no, no one really knows, and that's part of what the kids are trying to figure out. And it's also the thing they ask us a lot early on. Right. <laughs> like, well, how do I do this? And, and we always say, well, I don't know. That's what, we're at. that's what we want you to figure out. How do right. you do this? Oh, and they get mad, too. And they do. And they're so frustrated in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> right, because early on, they are expecting that we know what the answer is and that we are going to wait for them to arrive at it, and then we're going to pat them on the back and say, congratulations, you have now discovered the answer, young grasshopper. Uh, <laughs> it is exactly what we had thought, and, and that's not how it works. But, uh, but because of that, there's also a, a piece of ego you kind of have to surrender, and I'm sure you felt this as well over the past semester. And, and what I mean by that is... Uh, students asking about a particular problem and you not having any idea what to do. Now, the pat answer we have and what we, what we tell people in our workshops is, well, you answer questions with questions. Right. But it's really more than that. Um, and, and the reason it's more than that is because anyone can pair it back or ask questions, but you have to know, you have to be able to set them up so that they know they have to look for the answers. That there are there's something out there that they can look for. So a good example is there was a team this past semester who I was working with, uh, and they were trying to solve the problem of food deserts in in urban spaces, and and they were looking at different demographics and trying to figure out why why were people not eating healthy in in certain urban areas? Why were they relying on fast food and convenience stores? And I didn't know. <laughs> I, I have no idea. That's not, you know, that's not, that's not where I live. It's not my lifestyle. Uh, and I, and I, so I would honestly tell, I, I told that team, like, I, I don't know. I don't know either. And I think, but what I remember doing is saying, well, maybe you need to go and talk to some people. Maybe you need to go to uh, a neighborhood in Cleveland that's most like the one that's suffering from the problem you've identified and talk to those people and ask them, and they, you know, so that's, that's an example of, you know, using a question and to a question. But it's also, it was also sort of encouraging them 
not to ask leading questions, to ask right. for stories and, and to detect uh, patterns in behavior that would help them arrive at some type of conclusion ab about the behavior because we all know that people don't always do what they say. Uh, and so it's really important to kind of dig a little bit deeper. So that's, uh, but that's really hard to do because most, most teachers in the traditional sense are content area experts. Right. And they are used to being armed with a lot of content and, and, and they know it and they're passionate about it and they, they read books on it all the time and, and they stay up on it. And in this type of learning, because it's not content, it's not entirely content based in sort of siloed disciplines like, like regular school is, mm -hmm. you can't possibly be a content area master because there isn't one particular content. Right. In one semester, you might be ranging from uh, an industry like fast casual dining to uh, something like genetics and then ending with a industry such as, oh, I don't know, de dental insurance, you know, that it really ranges all over the map and it's... Uh, almost silly to imagine that anyone should have all of the answers and that's exactly what it seems we push back on the students. So and, and we, when we were having lunch today we were talking a little bit about this topic and I, I, I'm wondering if you could maybe uh, talk a little bit about what it's like to have to be able to call for you to go in and work with the team maybe before or after I have or Doris has. And, and, and you know, maybe not all programs are going to have more than one teacher, but the schools always have people that you can call in and, and help out. The teacher across the hall can come in and be an objective ear on something. So what, what's that, what did that feel like for you in sort of none of us being content area experts necessarily in that right. particular one? No, that's a great point that you bring out because the, the reality is I think in this work, what I'm learning as a teacher in training of this kind of a model is that you, you really benefit from having an entrepreneurial mindset as a teacher in this role. And, and what I mean by that isn't that you've started a business and have all kinds of expertise in, in that realm, but more so that you yourself are a problem solver and are looking for creative solutions. You're also... Uh, very resourceful, and this is where it ties into the question you're asking, and that I think it's a, a real skill to be able to identify what resources are around you to support you in moving towards your solution. And I know it's something we work with the students a lot on, but even as in the role of a teacher, I found myself having to take a step back a lot of times, right? I'd go into the room and the students would be asking me some questions about where they were with their challenge and what I thought about it or, you know, here's some research we found, what do you think? And, you know, we, we say answer questions with questions and sometimes I would get stuck and I felt like, well, I'd, I'm not sure I'm actually the most helpful person here right now to ask these specific questions of you. So to be able to say, you know what, I actually think that's a better question for Mr. Desmond and be able to pop out of the room and have you go in instead. Or, you know, if it's something more specific to 
what Miss Corda's experience has been that there's a nuanced way of, again, not asking leading questions, but when you have a bit more experience in a certain area with regards to the problem solving. So again, it's not specific to the content, but it's about how you get to that solution. If you've had more experience doing that, you're able to ask the type of question that prompts the students to then do their own learning to get there. And I really uh, appreciated having the two of you around and uh, able to also bounce around because certainly a team is, is, you know, more heads are better than one, I suppose. And uh, as you mentioned, that any school, no matter how you're set up, uh, whether it's team teaching or, or just a solo teacher, should be able to at least have other resources around them uh, to be able to help come in and ask those questions uh, of the students. In, in some of the groups you've worked with at, at workshops, uh, some of the different educators that you've worked with, what were some of the questions that you found yourself answering a lot with regards to kind of this teaching mindset or approaching this style of teaching? Yeah, it's a, I think mindset is a good word that we're using here to describe this because it, it is, um, it's similar to Carol Dweck's growth mindset. It, it's this mm -hmm. idea that you believe all of us, everyone can learn all the time and, and that there isn't a, there's not a moment where your brain calcifies and you can no longer learn or, or just because this is, you've always been bad at math that you'll never be good at math um, from a student perspective. It is, a, it is a mindset thing. And so one of the themes, one of the things that I find myself saying over and over again in, in working with teachers in these workshops is this idea that uh, you have to take risks and you have to be transparent and you have to admit and say when you don't know something. Uh, because if you don't, kids know it anyways. They're, they're pretty perceptive. And you can't really fake your way through something. And so there's no point in trying. Right. Uh, and so you try stuff, and when things don't work, you say to the class, hey, you know what, that didn't work. Um, so it really is about having, having a different mindset. And part of that mindset is relinquishing the, the content knowledge king idea. Right. And, and the way that you do that is you allow other people into the, into the teaching process. And so... Uh, we've said, you know, it's it should be or can be uh, easy in a school to find someone to come in. And even if they don't know anything about the particular problem, they can come in and have students ask them questions and or get feedback on a presentation. And, and just having a different set of eyes and ears in the room can be very helpful. But even if you're incredibly isolated or your schedule is such that arranging that is really difficult, you can use the tools of technology today to accomplish the same thing. You can Skype people, you can do Google Hangouts, you can even have kids make phone calls and they can, they can talk to people who might be more, um, more of an expert in this particular area uh, and just sort of get a different perspective. And, and the other thing that I mentioned to the uh, teachers who I work with and something we talked about again at lunch today was this idea that when I whenever I sit down with students who have called me in to ask my opinion on something, I always leave the room the same way. And I, I, I step halfway out the door and then I turn around and I say, oh, one more thing, um, question everything I just said to you. Because I don't <laughs> want to give them the impression that I am sort of 
holding the answer hostage and I'm just waiting for them to arrive uh, right. because that's not true. And, and, and I want them to, uh, and, we, and we tell this, to, we, we, we say this to the kids uh, with mentors and with other outside people. We say, it's your problem, it's your solution, and ultimately you have to decide and, and you shouldn't listen to any one particular adult for any, any reason other than you think it's valuable. Right. So I think, I think that having that mindset of I don't know everything and I'm willing to learn too and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and sort of reflect back questions to students in a way that's going to help guide them and not necessarily give them the idea that I know what's best uh, is a mindset. And it's hard. It's hard to do though. Well, in some ways, too, I, I know you talk a, a bit about modeling for students some of these behaviors and skills, and when we talk about how important it is that students go out into the world with critical thinking skills, this feels very much a part of that, that if we're up there at all pretending like we have all the answers, or that we're the content queen, if you will. <laughs> for you, right. For I'm me. the king. You're the queen. <laughs> fair, fair, fine. So... If we at all imagine that and position ourselves in that way, it completely detracts from the purpose of wanting students to question things, wanting students to dig under the covers and ask why, what's going on there? Well, I'm not sure if I fully believe that. And, and really what we, I mean, even in the early activities uh, each morning that we start with for New Circle, where they'll bring up a, a topic a world-related, what's going on out in the world, and we ask them why that matters. And for them to start putting these pieces together and forming their own thoughts. I mean, I, I think there's multiple places throughout the course that we see this, this coming up, but w would you agree that it's important for teachers to also then let go of some of the control, if you will, and, and have a bit of, uh, you, you said transparency, which I like, uh, that we don't know all the answers and we're constantly learning and growing along the way too, and that that can help the students in their critical thinking? It, it absolutely can, and I think one of the ways that manifests for me is going back to a team when I had a hunch, I didn't share it with them, but I just had a hunch, I'm like, that's totally not going to work. And then it works. And I don't say anything to them in the, in the moment because, again, I don't want to be, I don't want them to, to feel as though I know and I'm sort of pushing them in a certain direction. But I'm a person too. And, sure. I, and, I, and I'm inquisitive. And, and a lot of times I want to jump right in with them and work on the problem because that, that's what I enjoy doing. So I have, to, I have to hold myself back and not do that. But when I have those moments, I make it a point to go back into the team later and say, Hey, you remember when you guys were talking about this? I thought that was like the dumbest idea ever. <laughs> but when I saw it in whatever context it's in now, like it really worked. And I, I let them know that. And again, I think that's a way of not only being sort of honest and saying I'm still a learner too and I don't, I don't have this all figured out, uh, but it also kind of gives them the idea that they can have thoughts on their own that don't have to be validated by an adult. Mm. They, don't, they don't need a stamp of approval to come up with a novel idea. And I think that's something that we culturally sort of squash out of kids. Like I'm sure you've seen those studies where mm -hmm. they interview kindergartners and they say, what are you going to be when you grow up? And they say like, a firefighter, an artist, a ballerina, and president. Yeah. And you're like, all right. You know? <laughs> and then like they interview those same kids like later on and it, it's, we sort of 
extract that out of them and, and, and they've become boxed into certain personas or certain future personas. And I think this is, this is a subtle way of kind of pushing back on that a little bit and saying, well, not necessarily. Maybe you can be a ballerina, a firefighter at the same time. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> For more information and resources, go to doschoolbetter.com. Podcasts created by Tim Desmond, Doris Corda, and Allison Tanker. Produced by Tim Desmond.